get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Mark Saxon from The Athletic joins us now on 101 ESPN, live from the McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Big Saxy, how you doing, man? Doing great. I, I got my uh, two bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. I am ready to rock. But, uh, you know, like you guys, um, last night I was just locked in on the gold glove uh, show because, I mean, that was clearly the race to keep an eye on last night. Yeah, biggest thing going on in the country, right? Who's going to get that hardware for Major League Baseball? <laughs> Wouldn't you have thought, like, somebody in MLB would have saw – you know, November 3rd is maybe not the ideal night to kind of do that. Is that just me? Uh, no, because it's Major League Baseball, Mark. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You got me. So, Mark, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I want an honest answer from you. As you wrote this piece for The Athletic, seven free agents who would be who could be value plays for the cash-strapped Cardinals, and you typed out the names of Jock Peterson and Tommy Listella and Kevin Pillar and Jerickson Profar and Rich Hill and some of the others. Were you thinking, wow? Or were you thinking, eh? <laughs> you, might, you got me, Randy. <laughs> I, for the most part, the latter. But I, I, I did pick, pick those guys because I think they're kind of intriguing. Like, Rich Hill has always fascinated me, right? Like, um, he's 40 years old. He just spins curveball after curveball. And he just, ha- he just, you know, has a great year every year. So I think he's an interesting guy. Uh, Profar, he's only, I think he's 27 years old and he was former top, top prospect who's kind of looks like he's figuring out how to hit a little bit. So they all did have something that was intriguing, but you're right. When, when you look at the totality of some of the names we're looking at, it may not be the most exciting winner. I think Rich Hill is intriguing for a team that expects to be in the World Series or the postseason, but feels like they can go the season without him and still make it and then add him for a playoff push. Yeah, that's a great call. I, I agree with that. I, and by the way, uh, the, the disclaimer on the Rich Hill um, entry and that piece you're talking about was, I think it only makes sense if they don't re-sign Adam Wainwright. Right. Mm-hmm. A, because it's a similar kind of guy, and B, uh, I, you just, you know, the depth is, is, is fine without Rich Hill if you, if you sign Adam. But if you don't, I think he's an intriguing name out there. Mark, is there a reason Michael Brantley wasn't on the list, or did he come in at number eight or nine in that range? What's your reason for not having him on there? I love Michael Brantley as a player. Um, he, he He's... You know, he, he doesn't his, – his OPS, those kind of numbers don't, you know, fly off the page at you because he's not a huge home run guy, but he's such a good hitter. I think he'd be a great fit there. Michelle, to answer your question, because of, I guess, my regard for the player – he's also a great defender, by the way. Because of my view of the player, I, I just think he's going to get um, a deal that eclipses what the Cardinals would be comfortable with. And it's the same with George Springer and J.T. Realmuto. I didn't really – um, lock in on guys who I, I, I thought would get, you know, maybe multi-year deals at pretty good annual value. So that was the reason I left him out, not because I don't think he would help this team a lot. Mark Saxon of The Athletic is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And, uh, Saxy, I asked this question of Mo Zalak last week, and I want to know if, if you are on the same page as me here. Uh, I said, if you don't bring back anybody, Wong or 
Wainwright or Molina, would you be comfortable with that group? And he said, no, not without a strategy. But I kind of think that that might be the direction they go. I wouldn't be surprised if there were no signings of free agents for this team. Yeah, you know, I would say that that is a scenario that I would not surprise me. And part of it, you know, Mo wouldn't really go into a lot of specifics in the call you're referencing. You know, you tried to nail him down on that. I tried to nail him down on what kind of percentage we're looking at in terms of a, a cut of the payroll. Wouldn't answer that. Um, but the tone to me suggested that he doesn't feel like his hands are particularly free this offseason, right? I would say I don't think they can sign literally nobody, especially if you're going to move Tommy Edmond into the everyday second base position. I do think they have to look at a utility-type player. So there's where, like, a Jerickson Profar might come in, a Tommy LaStella, that kind of Maybe opportunity. Maybe Maybe a Brad Miller, exactly. And maybe that's the plan all along. They liked what he did. Brad Miller had a weird season, by the way, a great first month and a pretty terrible second month. So part of it is just what do you trust last year, right? I mean, even with these gold gloves, like they did it this year with um, exclusively based on one particular defensive metric. And anybody who looks at defensive metrics will tell you they're extremely sample size oriented. So, the gold glove is always a little bit of a ridiculous one, but because it's managers and coaches who don't necessarily see all the players a lot, this year it was even more ridiculous, I think, because it was this one specific metric that just didn't have enough sample size to get a good picture. And by the way, I should add that the Cardinals would have to sign a veteran catcher somewhere. If they don't bring Molina back, whether right. it's Weeders or somebody else, they would have to have somebody to go with Andrew Kisner. Yeah, that's correct. I don't think that they're going to do like an Andrew Kisner, Yvonne Herrera. He's just not ready, Herrera. And they, you don't want, you know, two legitimate prospects, one of the guys to be sitting on the bench or both of them to be splitting time. So I think that's exactly right. What they've done typically, though, if it's a backup catcher, is wait until, I don't know, the end of January, early February. There will be five or six guys who can all catch and throw, and they'll sign somebody to a minor league deal. Mark Colton Wong earned his second gold glove last night, back-to-back gold gloves for him. He had a great Instagram post saying, hey, if anybody's interested in a two-time gold glove award winner, shoot me a DM. Uh, do you think his <laughs> DMs are filled today? Are they popping? What do you think the market's like for Colton Wong? Actually, I would say probably not. All we keep hearing is how, you know, the Cardinals are one of, you know, a ton of teams who are going to be not wanting to spend a lot, how it's going to be a slow-developing offseason. Colton Wong is a really good player. He's not necessarily kind of a franchise-altering player. And I think you'll see the top guys get the most attention early on. And I think the top guys will probably get their money. You know, the Ray Almutos of the world, the Springers of the world, the Trevor Bowers of the world. It's the Colton Wong class of free agents. It's that middle-class guy. You know, we all know what Colton Wong brings to the table. He's makes contact he gets on base pretty well he has essentially zero power and so i think i think that aspect will slow down his uh his pursuit of that contract now i do think somebody will offer him a a good enough deal well he'll go and i would tend to doubt that will be the cardinals based on the you know what randy just brought up mark i thought it was interesting to just try to make a comparison Last year, 2019, Yalmer Sanchez of the White Sox won the gold glove at second base in the American League. He became a free agent. 
By the way, he had a 638 OPS. Wong had a 675 OPS in the two months this year. And Sanchez had to wait for a minor league deal from the Giants. A gold glove second baseman had to wait for a minor league deal right before spring training like you were talking about with the catcher. And I wonder if Wong might be in the same boat because that second base position, even since Wong signed that contract, has changed so dramatically. When you have Mike Moustakis playing, getting big money to play second base for a team, and with all the shifting... I don't know that Wong holds the value that he did five years ago. It's funny you say that because I once had a conversation with Colton Wong where he brought up exactly what you just mentioned. And that is if you're an elite defender like him, you hate all of this data and shifting. Why? Because it's very effective. You know, Randy, if you want to take this to the extreme, the extreme would be, how long would it have taken Ozzie Smith to break into the major leagues? You know, I'm talking about back when he was hitting, you know, 230 in the minor leagues. Um, because what you just said, because the data is so good, they know where to put guys before the pitch is made. Because of that, the, the importance of an elite defender is declining rapidly. And I think that's, that's exactly what you're referring to. On the other hand, if you really watch the Cardinals closely, you saw what a difference it made for those marginal plays where he wasn't in exactly the right position, but his jump and his athleticism allowed him to make the play. So I think we can't go too far with that, but it is it has irreparably changed the game for exactly what you referred to. Mark, if Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina aren't back with the team next season, do they have a face of the franchise? What's the identity of the St. Louis Cardinals going to be? Well, I mean, you, what you're doing is you're risking denting that identity. I think the identity of the St. Louis Cardinals right now is an elite fielding team with very good pitching depth and not a very good offense. Now, if, as Randy and I are, and, and you, as we're kind of, kind of puzzling through this, if, in fact, they don't add offense and your run prevention takes a step back, that's where you kind of worry now. I would say they're probably in better shape than the most fretful Cardinal fan thinks they are because I do think the pitching depth is really, really good. And I think Tommy Edmond could be fine as an everyday second baseman, maybe with a little more upside offensively. And because Nolan Gorman and some of the other position players could come on fast once they're allowed to start playing games again in the minor leagues. So um, I would say that it might look very different but I don't think it's as hopeless as people think. I think we tend to think that in the offseason when teams don't make moves, and then once games start playing, you realize that it wasn't so crucial after all. A couple more quick things. Number one, how effective – we're talking a lot about Wong. How effective do you think Tommy Edmond can be at second base? Well, if you look at – you know, he played a lot of shortstop in college. That was kind of – second base became his main position uh, once he got to the Cardinals. And – Again, we talked about the unreliability of small sample sizes with defense, and, and that absolutely is true. But what evidence we have suggests that second base is Tommy Edmonds' best position and that he's above average so far. And again, he didn't get a lot of opportunities there because they had Colton Long. Um, he played more third base, as everyone knows, and he played a lot of outfield last year. But when he, you know, if you look at his defensive metrics, he's, that's his best position. Um, I think he would tell you it's his most comfortable position. And then, you know, the other factor being 
Colton Wong, as we mentioned, was all but a zero power-wise. Tommy Edmond is not a zero power-wise. So I do think the Colton Wong decision would have been totally different if they weren't comfortable with Tommy Edmond, and I think there's a pretty good comfort level there that this guy's going to be a very solid player for years to come. Mark, after winning his eighth gold glove last night, Nolan Arenado said that he wants to play for a winner, that he's still a little bit unsure about his future with the Rockies. I'm paraphrasing there. But do you think Nolan Arenado is still on the Cardinals' radar? I think here's basically everything, you know, I've gathered from talking to people behind this. I think Nolan Arenado would love to play for the Cardinals. I think everything we've talked about in this conversation makes it very unlikely that that will be this offseason. And then what happens is you start projecting out, okay, would they be interested going into the 2022 season? Now you start looking at age declines and whether it's worth it to sign a guy who's, you know, getting into that 30 range. Um, Then it becomes a more difficult conversation. So I think the answer is at the moment, probably not on their radar. Will he be next year? Again, you'd have to look at age. You'd have to look at how players, you know, a, you know what the decline looks like, maybe what Coors Field does for aging players. So I think it's becoming pretty complicated at this point. Last thing for Big Saxy. We got a ticket or leave it earlier asking, it was a ticket or leave it, the Cardinals would DFA Matt Carpenter during the season. If he gets to 550 plate appearances, uh, I believe his contract might vest for 2022. So would the Cardinals take that risk or would they just keep him sitting so that they could avoid the 550 plate appearances? You know, I cannot see whether, whichever happens, I cannot see them allowing that, you know, like, is it an 18, $18.5 million option for 2022 to vest? I mean, I guess the one scenario would be it all starts and he just gets on one of his tears, right? But we haven't seen that in a while, Randy. I think that they will go into the season with Matt Carpenter. They'll be talking him up as they really feel good about him. You know, he's going to play a lot. If he's not producing early, I, I wouldn't expect that to linger too much. I think it's just been too long now since Matt has been the guy, you know, who they signed to that extension. So, again, no, it doesn't make any sense not to have optimism with him going into the season, but I don't think that it will take long for them to come to a, a quick conclusion on what he can give them. You always give us great stuff, and we hope we didn't get your food cold. <laughs> uh, so far, it's in the bag, wrapped up. I feel okay about it, and I'll I'll take that risk any time for you guys. <laughs> You're the best. You're the best. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, guys. See ya. See you later. That is our friend Mark Saxon from The Athletic. His work is great. You can always find it at The Athletic, and it's well worth the subscription. And that is a true friend to risk getting your food cold to do this interview with us and to provide great information to us and our listeners. Next up, we talked about Andrew Kisner. Is he the answer for the Cardinals behind the plate in 2021? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN.